Welcome to the Learning Exchange, where L&D and HR professionals can dig deep into the ever-changing landscape of online learning and talent development. Each episode, we'll explore innovations in learning and discuss best practices with special guests from inside and outside the learning world. L&D is evolving, and the Learning Exchange is here to help you keep pace. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Learning Exchange. On today's episode, I want to talk about content curation and really opening the door to this conversation with your workplace. What do I mean by content curation? Well, at its core, I'm going to oversimplify it and I'm just going to really reflect that what I'm talking about is identifying, sourcing, collecting, and organizing bits of knowledge that are designed to really help your entire company develop, grow, learn, and ultimately improve performance. I wonder how you might be doing content curation at your own company. In my own experience over my career, what I found is that for a very long time, learning and development has really been seen as the keeper of the knowledge. And this has sort of been translated over the years in a way that many organizations look at learning and development and say, you, L&D team, are responsible for creating everything. So if it's knowledge related, we want to develop knowledge, we want to increase knowledge, the learning team is solely responsible for it. But I think, you know, it kind of gets counterproductive and counterintuitive when you see companies taking an approach where they're reducing budget and headcount and other resource support for learning and development. I have been fortunate in my career to work at organizations that have followed that uh, kind of the way that it used to be. Learning and development is the, the source of everything. And I've worked at organizations that have actually empowered learning and development to tap into the broader employee community. And that's really what I want to highlight today. So when was the last time that your organization or your learning and development team actually tapped into the talents within your organization? Not just the people who are doing their job, but actually found like these hidden talents and these skills that people possess, which may not have anything to do with their specific function. Do you know what those things are and where they might exist in the organization? And I think another question that I might ask is, does your organization have a culture in which it promotes trust that its employees possess critical knowledge that could and should be shared with each other? My guess is that the answer to most of those questions is probably something like, but we're we're not doing it, we haven't done it, or we don't know. And I think you should know that you're not alone if that's where you are. But I think it is never too late for change. It's never too late to try and open the door to that conversation. Um, I've seen a lot of companies that will portray in words this commitment to a culture of trust and a culture of learning and a culture of development, but then they take actions which are completely the opposite. The actions, whether intentional or not, uh, can often signal to the employee that you trust me, but only in this way, only in that way. I trust you to do your job, but I don't trust you to share a best practice with someone else. I need that best practice to come through a single channel, a single place. 
So, right, like there's a different way to think about it. And there's ways we can marry those two things. But at the end of the day, the only way we can move forward in that conversation is if everybody really, really understands some of the benefits that you can realize when you start allowing for and involving um, your employee population in the curation of content. It can be really easy and it should be expected that the learning and development team can meet with different people in the organization and identify needs, whether it's at a division level, a department level, a company level. Uh, you know, we, can, we can meet with people and really do a good needs analysis and understand what the gaps are. We can also go buy or we can go build anything that is needed. I mean, I think for years and years, the option to buy content wasn't really a luxury that many of us were afforded. We were remanded to kind of build whatever we can build in-house and let that be as good as it gets. In some cases, we can go buy off the shelf, but it has to be very, very standardized at which point there's a high likelihood it's going to not really vibe with some people in my company because the people uh, might not look like an employee at my company. Uh, I might be a frontline worker in a restaurant, but then the training that I bought off the shelf is a person sitting in a suit and tie, right? Like there's some of those types of things that we have to wrestle with. But what if you actually had experts in a variety of places throughout your organization on a variety of topics. Wouldn't the voice of a peer or a peer group offer more value than somebody in a generic training module in a generic situation or scenario? Wouldn't it sound and feel more compelling to hear from people who work here? The short answer is it does. It definitely does drive a different experience for the learning activities. It drives a different level of engagement. It drives a different sentiment from the employee when they feel more connected and more involved to the, the process or to the content at hand. So I, I think I mean, there's probably about 25 or 30 benefits that I could rattle through, but there are four that really um, speak to me a lot. And it's these four that I have actually been able to have conversations about in my organization currently in prior organization. And it's, it's a fun conversation to have when you can open the door and get people connected to it. So the, the first thing we think about, if we start to crowdsource our content, whether that is having people share things that really work for them, um, meaning that they go find articles or websites or videos, or they find other assets that have helped them and they just relay those, or even they're creating some contribution. They're actually recording themselves or they're creating a job aid or they're creating a, a process flow to help really break down some of the steps. When we get other people involved in the process, it will always translate to an increased potential for high trust and high adoption. Next, I think we can always benefit from a fresh perspective. And sometimes as learning and development professionals, we might get too close to the problem. Um, even sometimes when you've got a subject matter expert in the field uh, or in their particular role, they're really going at it and they can get too close to it, which means that the perspective can be a little narrow. You know, I think we've all probably participated in a 
we've received training that's been over-engineered and we may have been part of a project where the team got into an over-rotation trying to over-engineer without realizing that's what they're doing. They're over-engineering the learning because we're trying to put it in the context of us as learning and development. Have you ever experienced something that was put into a four-step method for the sake of being put into a four-step method because that's what your company subscribes to even though it may not have really fit well. You know, I think about experiential learning. I think about how you help um, kind of nuance some of the things. I can teach you the big blocks of the content or the big blocks of knowledge, but then when you get into personal style and where your personality infuses with the process, those are the things that we can't really four step. We can't just instructionally design those things. That's where we have to start tapping into different ways to articulate the message. Sometimes it takes a different voice to spark a different idea that can make someone open to receiving the information. I think, you know, when we also consider the positive impact we can have on employee engagement, a lot of companies, I think, tend to think too narrowly about career development and growth. Um, we, we spend time really trying to focus on the career ladders and assuming that everybody wants to go up in the organization. In some cases, we've actually expanded our thinking and we now start talking about career lattice where we think about moving sideways through the organization. So maybe I'm not going up in level or up in managerial responsibilities, but instead I'm just moving laterally taking my skills and kind of adding to them and rounding them out. But I think, you know, not everybody wants to move up. Not everybody wants to move sideways. In some cases, we have people that don't want to move at all. In some cases, we find within our organizations, people that are very happy doing the job they do because they love it. They have a passion about it. And they, they think they want to do that forever. But the common thread is that all of them, those that want to move up, those that want to move around, and those that don't want to move at all, all still need to find ways to develop and grow. And I think you know, creating an experience where they might be able to share knowledge, where they might be able to contribute in different ways is another very, very critical element that you can add to your employee development strategy because um, it creates another lane to play in. We may be a small company. We may be a very large company. We may be undergoing acquisitions. There may be a variety of reasons why we either don't have a lot of opportunities for people to consider, or we don't have a lot of easy ways to, to show these opportunities to people. But participating in the, in the uh, process of content curation and content creation definitely a way that you can offer value to employees and it will drive an increase in their engagement and ultimately lead to retention. Additionally, I think, you know, the, the audiences that are receiving our learning may sometimes need things to be in a different tone or format than what we as learning and development are choosing. I'm not saying that we do this all the time. I'm not saying we do this consistently. But I think if we look back at some of our learning experiences that we've created over the years, it's safe to say at least a couple of the things that you or your team have built for learning and development purposes were really built 
more for your needs and and for kind of what you need to do on the back end end of it. I think maybe, right, we think about, I need to be able to report on how many people completed this thing. Well, in order for me to do that means I have to put it in a certain format. Means I have to put it in a certain way in my system so that I can have visibility. I may need to report on uh, knowledge checks or exam scores to help just make sure that the knowledge is actually being transferred. Well, that means that I have to build an exam. That means there are certain things that I have to do. And I'm not saying we throw that out because those things are critical, but I'm saying that there are other elements to consider that we as learning and development may not always get a chance to consider because we're trying to focus on how we need to provide back to our stakeholders uh, evidence of what's happening through the learning process. But what if we found some new inspiration on how to approach these things by going out to the employee population and getting their input? It's entirely possible that what we might have over-engineered as some highly interactive SCORM module could quite simply be communicated very effectively as a very well-written job aid. Maybe it's a very well-written job aid with an optional video component where you actually have one or more employees rough cut filming it using their phone, like no, no high production value, but just capturing the sentiment from their perspective. Maybe that clip doesn't become the entire training, but maybe it becomes part of the training so that you're getting the benefit of their perspective. You're getting all the other benefits that, that I mentioned before. I am always a fan of encouraging different perspectives. I think if you've listened to a, at least a couple of these podcasts where I've been talking, you're picking up on that. I, I know that I have spent a long time in my own career really building a bank of knowledge to draw from. I've really done a lot of research. I continue to do research. I continue to study all things around learning and development, employee experience, employee uh, culture. I, I, I will never, ever stop trying to learn more in that space. But I know that even when I am confident in my own level of knowledge about a particular topic, it is still incredibly humbling and eye-opening to get the perspectives of other people, people who have no point of relation to what I'm, the subject matter that I'm working in, people that have expert level of knowledge in the subject area that I'm working in. Uh, it, it's when we take all of those perspectives and put them together that we always come out with a few, sometimes they're giant, sometimes they're really tiny, but new perspectives. And it's all these new perspectives that can ultimately transform everything. So strongly encourage the exploration of how you might be able to tap into the employee population and really harness the power of all the expertise, all the passion, all the talents that you have out there for the greater good.